0: Welcome to A Slice of Orange on North Orange County Politics with me, Jody Balma. Um, Today I'm talking with Brett Wiseman. He's the judicial candidate for seat 33. And in this episode, you'll learn why you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take, why you might want to major in philosophy if you want to go to law school, and what office you should visit if you want to run for office in Orange County. He'll also share what you can learn from failure. So I had a great conversation with Brett Wiseman about the challenges of campaigning for an office that's not just nonpartisan, but really not political. Um, and, and, and more importantly, why are civil courts? That's the side of law that isn't criminal. All the lawsuits where people sue other people, people sue companies, companies sue other companies. It, it's a big part of our court system in Orange County. And while our criminal courts are well represented by judges who were prosecutors and deputy district attorneys, our civil courts need judges who really understand civil litigation and contracts. So let's hear from Brett Wiseman, judicial candidate for Orange County Superior Court, seat 33 on the June 2020 ballot, uh, and let you get to know him. So welcome to A Slice of Orange. Today I'm talking with Brett Wiseman, who's an Orange County judicial candidate. So welcome. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: So tell me a little bit about yourself, your personal story, professional bio. What leads you to run for judge?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think I've, I've wanted to be a judge for uh, essentially my entire adult life. Uh, my aunt will tell you a story of... Uh, me proudly proclaiming in uh, junior high or high school uh, in a California pizza kitchen parking lot that I <laughs> I wanted to be a judge uh, you know my understanding of that job has certainly uh changed over the years but the the desire the ambition has not um you know I think uh without getting into the sort of esoterics of it uh, you know I I I am uh not so aged, uh, despite some of the gray hair you may see here, that uh, that I have uh, lost all of my idealism and I still have a lot of faith and belief in the judicial system. And essentially the fact that we have that system to mediate our disputes is why uh, <laughs> civilization works. You kind of have an expectation of behavior from people and you can go about your day and have buy something from the market or drive by someone and expect that everyone's going to essentially follow a set of laws. And uh, that exists because there's an implicit belief that if something goes wrong, there is a fair and impartial uh, venue or uh, avenue to have those those matters heard and decided. And uh, it's not a system that's self-perpetuating. It's not run by computers or, uh, or anything else like that. It's, uh, a fairly small number of very hardworking people who are trying their darndest to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd very much like to, uh, to be one of those people and contribute in, in that way. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's why I want to be a judge in terms of my background. Uh, I, uh, am a civil litigator. I do, uh, trials, um, A little bit of everything. I started my career very much uh, focused in construction litigation, a lot of contractors suing each other. Uh, You know, you get on the site, you try to build something, it's not what you expected. Now who pays? Right. Um, From there, uh, I moved into doing a lot of employment litigation, Uh, both sides, uh, folks who didn't get paid right, companies getting sued by some people. Right. Uh, And a little bit of everything else in between. Grew up uh, most of my life uh, here in Orange County. Uh, my whole life in Southern California. Certainly, a local. Uh, married to a uh, wonderful woman who also happens to be an attorney. And uh, that's uh, that's probably the short story and maybe too many words for you.
0: <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I think that that gives us a lot of background. You know, I the, the, one of the reasons that I want to do this series with talking to judicial candidates is because as I've shared it's, it's the question I get asked the most about on the ballot, which is how do you know who to vote for? Where do you find that information? And, and even, you know, the, the answers that we have, which are, you know, the, the ballot statement that, that candidates can put that in, but honestly, it's hard to, you know, that, that's a, that's a ad in a sense that people are writing what they want you to know. And so it's, it's helpful Then it's better than nothing, but it's not particularly helpful in deciding who to vote for, and certainly not some of the bigger issues that we need to talk about. And, and it's it's tough. So that's one of the reasons I want to talk to people, to kind of humanize, to introduce, to get some information, and, and really to talk to people about some of those questions of how, how can we make this a better process, now, I'm not ex- expecting you to know the answers to all of that or to solve all of this, but but I think it is the question of, you know, this is an incredible privilege that we have to vote for the people in our judicial system, that we get a say, and yet we have almost no information to make good decisions. So, um, you know, one of the, the, the nice things for this June election is there are nine competitive elections on the ballot and that gets a little bit more attention than if there were only two or three. Um but one of one of the the things that these these ballot matchups have in common is that there's a deputy DA running for each one of them. Um and I think it's really important. Nothing against prosecutors. I, you know I some of my friends are prosecutors, but I think that it's um if we took all of the The people who are on the bench in Orange County, and and I'm going to ask one of my colleagues who studies criminal justice to do this work, but if we looked at how many deputy DAs are in that pipeline, how many prosecutors are now on the bench, I can make the assumption and hypothesis that it is overrepresented. We are really well represented by former prosecutors, but that's not the totalitarian of our judicial system. And so the courtrooms that you're in in civil court we wouldn't necessarily need somebody with prosecutorial
1: experience in there so
0: how do we get the rest of the judicial experience represented
1: well that's a that's a fabulous question and you and you're right on your uh, your assumptions there in that uh, we are probably overrepresented in terms of folks with a criminal law background Uh, Right now, we have nine elections, which is a contestant elections, which is a staggering number. You can look back historically. We have not had that many in uh, I don't know how long. And we also have a huge number of vacancies on the bench. I was in front of Judge Hurwitz the other day who told us that uh, we have 21 vacancies, 10 of which are on the civil panel, which is a huge number to be out on the civil panel. And so we're, we're direly in need of filling seats that can handle civil matters and civil litigation. And amongst the seats that we already have filled are a number of folks who their career was in the DA's office or otherwise in criminal law. And, uh, you know, there's nothing against them. They're, they're very qualified. They're, uh, they're you know good judges, but they're good judges who are now deciding matters that are you know civil matters when they do not have a background in that. Some of them may have never litigated a civil case in their lives and they're now deciding those cases for the uh, you know everyday person who ends up in court before them which is, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, we, we have somewhat of an embarrassment of riches and that the folks who have run are qualified. So it's not to say that there are folks who don't deserve to be there. That's not the case, No. but, uh, it would be, I think reasonable to want the person who's deciding your case to have some experience handling those matters.
0: And for the voter, we get so little information of the ballot of what that judge is actually going to do, right? We just get a number. And that number doesn't really mean anything. Um, we, you know, the, the entire county votes. And so we, we've got, you know, I don't know, a million, 600,000, a million, 600, million 800,000 voters who, who are voting. Very few of us know anything about The the campaigns for judges, we aren't sitting there on our free time, trying to find people's websites to to make comparisons. So we're really limited in what we have in front of us, even when we want to be informed. Um, And we don't even know if it's going to be, is this a judge who's going to be trying criminal cases or civil cases, there's a huge difference. Um, we don't get to know, you know, how much did you pay attention in law school to this class? (laughs) You know, did you pay attention to contracts? It's not, for, for somebody who is, you know, really wanting to be a prosecutor, that might be a class, you know, torts and contracts and those things that you just get through in law school. And so if that's the last time that someone has been exposed to this type of law, they're going to have a huge learning curve and we as voters don't have any information to know what path they're on. There's no question there. I'm just a little, (laughs) I, I don't know how to ask a question about that, but
1: it's, it's extremely difficult. And, you know, especially, especially in judicial elections, as there's an entire set of rules out there about what you're allowed to say and not say in a judicial election, who you can seek an endorsement from or not, who you're allowed to endorse or not. Uh, I
0: I don't know any of uh, who can't you get an endorsement from?
1: So there are model rules and then there's the California rules. Um, And I'll tell you right now that I'm I'm partway through a multi-hour ethics class requirement that you have to take uh, within about 60 days after you get yourself on the ballot. Okay. Uh, so don't, uh, if anyone's listening, I, I promise I will finish that course and be uh, much more uh, sure. much more uh, in tune with this uh, moving forward. But essentially you do not want to do anything that gives the, uh, appearance of a partisan position or make any kind of assertions about how you will decide something that may come before you. The idea is that you are not supposed to be elected because you will drive home or take a particular policy or position. You're not supposed to be there to say, I'm going to overturn this or I'll make sure that doesn't happen. The entire purpose is... Uh, to essentially make sure that you're not getting elected as a Democrat or Republican or what have you, but rather a nonpartisan position where your job is to be fair and to follow the law. And that makes it very difficult. It compounds and exacerbates the issues that you raised as how do you separate yourself or make yourself appear to be an electable uh, candidate when the rules are set up to where if you're following them closely and trying your best to maintain every you know, dot all the i's and t's of your ethical requirements, you're essentially not supposed to have an opinion on things that you're expressing. And Instead, everyone should just say, "Well, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to right. follow the law." Right. Uh, which uh, right. you know, I I will, but uh, that's uh, but ha-
0: but you can't do that until you get elected, and the voters want to know something.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's one of the challenges um, for judicial candidates of of how what do you say? What does your campaign look like? You can't say those political things, those partisan things or those ideological things or even just this is the kind of judge I'm going to be because what you really are going to be is fair and listen to both sides and that doesn't make for a very exciting yard sign or campaign ad <laughs> it, fair and objective okay
1: yeah okay got it you know got uh, it. no i uh, i absolutely agree with you and it's 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 so interesting cuz you you would expect especially uh, there there are some events where they will have q and a sessions um, which also don't make a lot of sense to me in in this uh, of election because people want to know positions on political issues and on various laws and if you if you left it up to any judge to write the laws of the state they would rewrite most of the laws on the book to how they think it should be and i'm willing to say that categorically i don't think there's any sitting judge or candidate who would leave everything the way that it is. Sure. And yet when the jet, the laws come before them that they do not agree with, they do not rewrite them. They follow them Correct. And, you know handle what's supposed to happen there and that is not a a uh, you know an, an answer that's going to motivate, inspire or raise the emotions or fervor of uh, of the voter. You know. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah, and 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 what is what does a campaign even look like? So obviously you all are employed, so you're not full-time candidates. You're you're being attorneys in all of those iterations, some of which get to be on the ballot designation and some of which do not. You just have to say you're an attorney. Um, so we don't even get a lot from the ballot designation unless you have a title you can use. We allow deputy DAs to use their title. We allow commissioners to use their title. But but not even much of a descriptor for the rest of you. Um, so, you know, what about fundraising? Like, how, how much do we really want our judges to be running for these jobs?
1: <laughs> well, it's... Uh... It's a fair question and one that that also to, to cite back to some of the ethics discussions we have, you have to imagine that in order to be a judge, you have to have been a practicing attorney for 10 years or more. And so a lot of the folks that you're going to know and that you would reach out to if you needed campaign donations or something else are also going to be attorneys practicing in the same area. Sure. So you can expect as a judicial candidate that you'll be asking for money from people who very well may appear before you in the future. And that is an extremely uh, thorny issue and no no real good solution to that. Um, In terms of campaigning, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, yard signs and things like that. And as we said, there's not a great way to have a slogan. So most of those just say something like name and then the word judge. And right. that's all you see on it. Um, right. On top of that, folks will often hire consultants to help them pick sort of which seat to run for and some of the... Uh, yeah,
0: let's talk about that a little bit because that's fascinating to me of how, when when all the seats are the same, how do you decide which one to run for?
1: Sure. And and it's really a pragmatic answer more than anything else. So you can get uh, from the Registrar of Voters a sort of roll call sheet almost that lists out each of the positions by seat and who has declared their candidacy for that seat at that time. It also lists- And that's
0: true of anybody. OcVote.com is amazing. And that candidate- uh, registrar, that candidate log is great. That's how I found everyone.
1: And uh, I'll I'll echo that, you know, you have so much uh, sort of cynicism about government offices and, you know, the DMV is always a punchline. Uh, to hark back to what I said about, you know, Orange County being privileged with their judges, the Registrar of Voter's Office in Orange County is fabulous. I mean, when any of the candidates for any of the various positions came up, they walked people through the forms, made sure they yeah. had everything, gave you the cart. Every time you walked in there, you were given you know personalized attention for like an hour straight. And I heard so many questions from yes. so many people running for the first time, not just for judge positions. It, it's really the folks there are going above and beyond and it's an amazing office. And I know Jody, you were saying that you're sort of encouraged people to pay more attention to their local politics. And one thing they can also do in terms of not just paying attention to who's running is also be one of the people running. And uh, they the process can be very confusing if you look at it online or the naked yes. paperwork. And I'd really encourage anyone who's considering it to make one of their first stops, the Register of Voters Office, as yes. uh, you would be very surprised, I think, to learn how helpful and engaged they are in marshaling that forward for the candidates.
0: Yes. Since the DMV is a, is everyone's example of of inefficiency in government, <laughs> we we always use the Orange County Registrar of Voters as as the gold standard of what everyone should be. So, um yeah, and 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 every every single candidate I've ever talked to has echoed that same Um, They are just the most amazing staff. And I know Neil Kelly was a really big part of that recently retired. Um, But I know that culture is, is held throughout with every single person. So I know it will continue even with his retirement, but yeah, I definitely echo that as we are looking now, um, you know, as, as soon as the candidate filing deadline stops Uh for June, people are like, so now who's running for school board and city council for November and so if, if you're thinking about running, I, I wholeheartedly agree that the first stop should be the orange County registrar of voters because they will hold your hand through the entire process. So, so how, how did you decide on this number 33? Is that just your lucky number?
1: Well, you go through the list and you make sure you're not running against an incumbent. Uh, the, uh, everything to do with elections has had every kind of consultancy and statistical analysis Mm -hmm. and everything else done. It's information that's available. There essentially is nothing a sitting judge can do short of being the focus of a literally nationwide media storm. And even that does not necessarily. Even that in
0: Orange County does not prevent you from being reelected. And my students all know the names of those judges who are still on the bench.
1: Yes. And uh, so if you've got a an incumbent who wants to remain a judge, that person is going to get elected. And so you almost never see anyone run against a sitting judge unless it's almost sort of a statement that, uh, you know, I have a particular issue with uh, with this person. And uh, because of that, that's why you only see so few uh, elections on the ballot. They only show up if they're contested. Correct. And so most of the judges are still up for election, but they're not even on the ballot because no one would run against them. Correct. What that leaves you is then looking at the so-called open seats where a judge has either retired or for other reasons elected, uh, elected has chosen not to uh, run yeah. for re-election. And you can see who is running there. And there will almost always be a district attorney who is running. They never seem to have more than one running for the same seat. I noticed that. Um, And uh, you can see who else is running. And uh, some of them have, you know, four or more people running for a seat. Some of them. Uh, whether it be because the district attorney who got his name in early or her name in early was particularly well-qualified or favored to win, or just out of pure chance, had only one or two names there. Um, So when I went through it, everyone had a a district attorney on it. There's no way around that. Right. And the seat I chose to run for, uh, I waited until uh, just about the last day, And uh, there was a seat 33 that only had a DA and no one else running. Now, someone else had the same great idea I did. And so there's (laughs) actually three of us running for that seat now. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I was looking for a seat that didn't have an incumbent and didn't have a uh, forest of, uh, of people running, in part for the very reasons that you were pointing out that it's so difficult to be informed about the candidates or who they are or what they're running for to the extent that there's honestly a fair element of, of chance associated with some of these things. And you're better off running against one person rather than running against three or four or five.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good. So, so let's talk a little bit about your professional, um, experience and why you would be a good judge. Um, where did you go to law school at, at, you know, California Pizza Kitchen was was the birth of the idea to be a judge. But but clearly you had to be a lawyer first. So what's that process like to become an attorney and what experience do you have uh, that will help you be a judge?
1: Absolutely. Well, yeah, I went to uh, law school at. uh University of San Diego School of Law, which mm-hmm. was a, uh, a beautiful place to be in school. I mean, you look around and you think someone must be on their hands and knees manicuring the lawn with a pair of <laughs> thing. Um, it, it was a, a great school and a great experience. Um, and that was a continuation of my schooling from uh, UCSD, University of California at San Diego, uh, where I was a philosophy major. And I took right. all the classes I could on philosophy of logic, of language, um, actually some philosophy of uh, uh, some political philosophy, as you might imagine. Sure. And uh, that's
0: great uh, training for law school. Yeah. Everyone um, thinks it's political science and I don't want to ruin my career chances, uh, <laughs> but, but philosophy is such a great uh, undergraduate degree for, for, for going to law school.
1: It used to be, I don't know if it's still the case, but it was the largest feeder major for law schools. They took more philosophy majors than mm-hmm. anyone else. And, uh, you know, the philosophy majors all believed that was because of the training it gave them in how to think. And uh, the non-philosophy majors all thought that was because the philosophy majors didn't have another career path. <laughs> <laughs> I leave that up to the listener to decide.
0: My My colleague who teaches philosophy always talks about, you know, well, I mean, I got incredible offers from all the Wall Street philosophy firms, but <laughs> I decided to teach. And only those of us who know and laugh, and everyone else is like, "Oh, oh, I didn't know there were." And we're like, there are not.
1: So it's quite good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so then you go to law school at University of San Diego.
1: Sure. Yeah. And, and uh, what
0: were your favorite classes?
1: Evidence, mm. uh, by far. Uh, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I, I am one of those people that I think my colleagues would consider somewhat uh, off and that i I truly enjoyed uh, civil procedure and things like that. Evidence was by far my favorite. I, I found the process to be more interesting by far than, uh, than some of the particular subject areas. Um, I, I can't say that uh, you know, torts, for example, or contracts either, uh, you know, uh, kept me up at night. Inspired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, both were fine classes. Don't get me wrong; I did fairly well in some of those. But, uh, but it was the process of how everything works that was interesting to me, and especially evidence, as that that drives everything in terms of how the case actually needs to go. And right. I had always wanted to uh, spend my time. In uh, in court, Uh, a lot of fresh lawyers, especially will find themselves sort of as a, uh, you know, a a research monkey or something like that, where they have a lot of paperwork to do and very rarely see the inside of a courtroom often be, be siloed away from even speaking to clients as they sort of learn the practice in that way. And that is problematic for a number of reasons. One, I never wanted that to be my life. And two, you develop, I think, sort of a worked way of thinking about a case and how to go about it, because at the end of the day, you need to prove the case. And that's all about evidence at trial. If you focus too much on stepping through the procedure without understanding why or where it's going, I think that's, uh, that's doing yourself a a disservice. Um, anyways, so I've, I've liked a number of the uh, more unusual or technical uh, kinds of uh, motion procedures and things like that, the anti-slap motions, you know, your uh, demurs and everything, uh, the motions of day, the things people often cringe at, seemed sure. like most interesting to me. Um, I, uh, I spent uh, as many credits as they would let me in law school in their uh, clinic programs. Uh, so you can sign up for the practical training of law students where you actually get to make some appearances in court, sort of uh, with a buddy system with an attorney who's licensed there coming along with you. Uh, so I helped quite a few people in uh, first it was small claims and then it was civil, you know, you have, income limits if you can't afford it. It's sort uh-huh. of a public law center kind of setup. Um, so I did that as many times as they would let me. Uh, I uh, did uh, a couple of the uh, sort of uh, presentation oriented kind of things. I, I tried to gear as much as I was permitted uh, my time in school to the practice of law instead of the theory of law. Mm-hmm. There's sort of a, uh, a recurring joke that uh, college doesn't teach you to take the LSATs or get admitted to law school. Neither college nor the LSATs teach you to get through law school. Uh, neither college, the LSATs, or law school take you teach you how to take the bar, and none of those things teach you how to be a lawyer. Um, And uh, that always seemed like a a problem to me. It's one that's actually being addressed a little bit. Uh, Some of the schools as part of their efforts to come up the rankings adopted more of a practical oriented curriculum. Um, In fact, I think Cal Western may have been one of the schools that really hopped on that and pushed that as hard as they could and, uh, I think it makes a lot yeah, of sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. You know, the, the, my, my friends who loved law school and hated being lawyers uh, said, you know, it, there, there's not a lot of connection between those two. And so I'm glad to hear there's some reform coming. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, I always, I, I, we get a lot of, you know, future lawyers in political science, obviously, and we try to connect them with a lot of those programs that that have, you know, conversations with people who are in law and to consider all of the different ways um you know that you can use a law degree. Um, but but also just to get practical experience of what is this job really like. It is so far removed from the procedurals on TV. Uh, and you know there's there's little, you know, film montages of the massive amounts of work and research that you have to do. Uh, and it's all the glory. So I think it's important to understand what the jobs really are.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's true, and there's no shortage of folks who have gladly dropped out of the profession. Or I had a number of friends who went through school with me who passed the bar and uh, decided, okay, I, I wanted to pass it to prove to myself I could do it, but there's no way I'm ever going to do this job. This is not the life for me.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Now,
1: given especially what student loans and things can look like, I'd uh, I just tell anyone considering going to law school to uh to as you say uh you know shadow a lawyer for a day or two and make sure that's something that you have a passion for or you in some way are you're broken in the right way to to love it or need it
0: <laughs> you know? broken in the right way i love that yeah and, and and it's true for so many professions of of finding that fit and um yeah, my, my my friend who had the, the highest amount of student loans and was like, if I give if I give the law degree back, can I can I cash it in? You know, um,
1: so <laughs> can I return it?
0: <laughs> can I return it? Can I return it? Yeah, right. So so anyway, anything else you want to? What is your pitch for running? What is your campaign besides fair you know, and vote for me because I'd be a good judge?
1: You know, that's uh, that's it's tough. For exactly the reasons we talked about, yeah, I, I can tell you that this is my uh, sort of. It's it's hokey to say, but it's sort of my life's ambition. So I do intend to run uh, every election until I'm either elected or uh, or they won't let me run anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to change the law to stop. But there's that. no
0: term limit on 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 candidacy.
1: There is not. Uh, I, I'm dedicated to to getting this job. It's what yeah. I've always wanted to do, and uh, I, I do think I'm the right kind of broken to uh, to hear a number of these matters and decide mm-hmm. them uh, not just fairly but but well. Um, and I do think I have the demeanor for it as well. Uh, I, I'm not the guy. I'm not Saul Goodman, right? I'm, I'm not there to. Uh, to put on the biggest show you've ever seen. Yeah. But, uh, I, I can, I can do the job. I'll do it fairly. I'm not going to get impassioned or, uh, or crazy about something. I'll uh, I'll put in the work and do it and I'll do right. it. Fairly. And that's really right. all I can say, but. Uh,
0: that's the challenge of, of this campaign for, for judicial candidates is that is exactly what we want to hear. And. <laughs> Yes. it's hard to get through the noise of 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 campaigning. So thank you. So I ask my my guests the same end of show questions, and so let's start with uh, what's the best advice you've got?
1: I think it's the hackneyed advice that uh, you know you uh, you miss every shot you don't take. You know, Uh, there's a lot of time spent, especially these days, I think, despairing over. You know one or another element of uh of life or of politics or of something else and it can get easy especially with covid you know making things harder for people to sort of get out and do things it it can be easy to kind of give up or get uh you know settled or contented or something Uh, but if there's something that you want to do it's it's never going to happen unless you try and um you know, failures uh, attached to that, but failure is not always uh, the end. It can be uh, right. one. You know, there's been a lot absolutely. of folks who have failed at a lot of things until they finally got it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, you know, uh, an, another uh, guest said that um, failure is a much better teacher than success.
1: You sure you don't forget it as easily?
0: <laughs> right. You learn so much more. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's a book you like to recommend to people?
1: Oh, um, you know, I, uh, I think that some of the books that would be the most meaningful to me might be uh, things that I shouldn't recommend given, uh, <laughs> given the judicial canon. Sure. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll tell you that I don't have a book then that I personally recommend, but I do have a, a relative who's an author who just wrote a book called Free Marcus Cats. And uh, three
0: Marcus Katz.
1: Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's what I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> okay, good. What kind of book is it? It could go in so many different directions.
1: Sure. It's uh, it's a fella who uh, it's sort of echoing some of the conservatorship issues that you may have seen in the news. Yeah, it's a fella who has a, a certain mental disability And uh, he ends up taking a road trip to escape, kind of a conservator situation. And the entire book is written in the form of a series of Yelp reviews where he overshares far too much about his life in each review and sort of tells the story of his road trip and life through this in an unusual format.
0: Okay, great. And who's the relative? Who wrote Uh, it?
1: Who's the author? No, I'm not sure if he wrote under a. a pen name. So I, uh, I'm i going to. Okay. It so back. it says
0: that the author at Amazon says Howard Mark Chelsea. Chels, you did not Chelsley. write under
1: a pen name. That is okay. his name. So you've got okay. it.
0: Right okay, good. So we'll know. And so it's Kat, K A T Z, and a curated collection of Yelp reviews. That's going to be fun to, to read. I like those epistolary uh, uh, books. So that'll be <laughs> fun. Uh, So is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners?
1: Yeah. And I think it's just to echo something that that you said and, and I've said as well, in that, you know, y- you can get involved in this process. Uh, there are means to get more information about a number of the candidates, less so with the judicial candidates. That's that's real tough. But uh, sure. most folks these days have, especially for the partisan positions, websites and things where you can uh, see a fair bit about what they stand for and see what that is before you vote for it. Those local elections matter a lot. And those people running, when you get more informed about it and see who they are, are not some, you know, closeted group of Illuminati or something. It is not a, a tier or strata of person that you have no chance of being a part of. Your, mm-hmm. your local government and a lot of the things that affect your life are not actually that far removed. You can contact those people, you can learn how those people are, and you can be those people, you can Absolutely. run. And uh, I think one of these sort of grassroots movements you've seen from both sides of the aisle over the last couple of years, especially, and growing, and I think should be growing, is people getting motivated to run for office and serve in that way, and changing things themselves? You know, they uh, instead of sitting on your house, you can do it. And right. so I'd recommend that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And and finally, who should we talk to next? Who might be in the county that I don't know about?
1: Uh, are you looking for a uh, a judge position or um... maybe? Sure. Uh, I think you could talk to, uh, to Ray Brown. Uh, okay. he's, uh, I, I think he's, he's quite well qualified and he has the same uh, dilemma that all of us have running against a uh, DA. I think this is his big push this year that he's uh, not uh, probably in the same manner I am as uh, anticipating, you know, uh, you could easily talk to me in the next ten elections, as, uh, but uh, I think he's uh, making a real effort of it. I think he'd be a great judge.
0: Great, great. I will, I will talk to him uh, in our in our list, and hopefully, I'll have you back on when you
1: are a judge. I, I'd love that. I'd be even more constrained in what I could say, but I would sure. be happy to uh, to chat non-committally with you. <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.